We made this. Welcome to the Starlight Ballroom. Hey. Hello and welcome to Shipwrecked and Comatose, the podcast about Red Dwarf, right here on the We Made This podcast network. And we are doing a second episode in a week because, unlike usual, this is recorded immediately after a thing and we're getting it up as quickly as we possibly can. And it's my edit job, so hopefully that would have been quick, but if it wasn't, I suck. Anyway, hello, I'm Mark. I'm one of your regular hosts, and with me at this time, as always, is Kurt North. Hello, Kurt. What? Hello, Kurt. Who? Uh, just a bit of background. This is literally, what, 15 minutes after it finished, this thing that we're going to talk about. So Enough and- time to have made a brew, and that's about it. Yeah. We had a wee as well. Okay, well, we've um, we've had two full days, and I'm sure Mark will talk about this, but it has been quite tiring, so I forgive you. <laughs> How is it tiring that we've sat on our asses and watched something on a PC screen? But it really fucking is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was full on. It's full on. Fully enjoyable, and uh, but full on, yes, absolutely. We haven't told people what we're reviewing yet, have we? No, we haven't, because, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I'm edging around what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about the Hollyhop online Red Dwarf convention, which we both attended. And I tell you what, Kurt, I've had a bloody lovely weekend. Yeah, it's been great. I've I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's as as you say, the first the first day was hard because they've crammed a lot in the first day. Second day, overall, because it's I think it's been a bit more like more like a Sunday because it's a Saturday Sunday the mm. recording. That um, you know, we've only really it's only started at twelve and it finished at ten past three. So I think overall, I think it's probably worth doing it that way. It was a pretty intense three hours, though. Both days, it was just five-minute break and something else you didn't want to miss. Five-minute break and then something else you didn't want to miss. And I was like, fucking hell. Yeah. I think I'm the only one that's had a longer break because the cosplay ones I wasn't too bothered about, so I I stepped out of those two. I did miss one of them because there were spoilers for episodes I haven't seen, but we'll get on to that. And um, have you ever been to an online convention before? Not an online convention, no. I've been to no. I've been to um, the X Fest for the X Cast a uh, couple of years back in Chicago, uh, but I haven't actually been to any of those type of conventions before. I have had similar kind of things with my work, where we've had events on at work, so I know behind the scenes and how it all kind of clicks in with uh, various different things under very different circumstances. You know, not a TV show or anything like that, but yeah, it's uh, it's the first time I've done something properly of this ilk online. Yeah, I've never done it online. I'm I'm quite fond of Comic-Cons. I take my scout group to Comic-Cons. They love it. Back in the day, I used to go to Doctor Who conventions, which was when Doctor Who wasn't on the telly. You remember right. the dark period between... Um, 1996, was it, with the... Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> the TV movie. Yeah, well, I used to go between Sylvester McCoy and the TV movie, and between the TV movie and Eccleston. the first Eccleston series, yeah. yeah, and I loved those. And the more generic Comic-Cons are great fun to take my scout groups to, and I've been to them with friends as well. A friend of mine does a lot of exhibitions at Comic-Cons, so I tend to go with him, and basically I uh, 
kind of look after his store while he has lunch and I get in for free. Good times. Yeah. Well, I think um, it's interesting just uh, talking about Comic Cons and in, in, or those type of conventions in general because in the past, I've never been that concerned or bothered about them. It's not been something in my radar to, to go on. It's always been a case of, oh, I don't really want to go. And I'm talking about the big ones, you know, the, the big Star Trek conventions and stuff like that. Yeah. I love Star Trek, but it's just like, it's just a mammoth of like, I don't really want to do that. Um, and what I've found with both this one and the X-Cast one, the X-Cast one, you know, I went to, and we all, I almost didn't go to that one. It was only Carl Sweeney and I that decided to go last minute, really. You know, last minute being a few months in advance, but, you know, we weren't going to go to it. And there was a comment that was made in this Red Dwarf one, and I think it's um, quite pertinent to both these fandoms, is that somebody had said, and Rob Grant brought it up, or I think you know, it was Paul Jackson that brought it up, saying that the the best thing that's come out of Red Dwarf is the friendship that they've formed. And I, and I feel that that seems to be the similar thing with both Red Dwarf and the X-Files one, because the yeah. X-Files one, I've got a community of like eight or nine solid friends I've got out of that. And, mm. you know, there's people around the outskirts that have been like, um, you know, that I know or I can tweet about or I've met somewhere else and, you know, I've met on the plane or I've went to a Dave Duchovny concert and all kinds of things. <laughs> um, but it seems like Red Dwarf fandoms is very similar. You know, I mean, he, yeah. I mean, one thing I just want to shout out for for Rianne. I know Rianne's birthday is today, and she's been she's been on her around the past couple of days, and we've tweeted out about her birthday. So, um, so happy birthday for, for for both of us. But it does feel like there's that there's that family unit. It seems to be a lot of people that seem to know each other and stuff. I think you're right, and um, I did have a little bit of a imposter syndrome when it came to going to this. I was like, am I going to be fucking clueless because I haven't seen past Series 8? Mm-hmm. And am I going to be kind of... I, I guess I've always called myself a geek polymath. I like lots of things that are geeky, but I don't obsessively fan over anything. Yeah. And I would even include Doctor Who in that, which is my big one. But I... I've met people with encyclopedic knowledge of Doctor Who that kind of just blow me out of the water. And there was no gatekeepy shit here. It was all very friendly and it was all very welcoming. And I think that's a credit to the Red Dwarf yeah. fan club. Yeah, I would say the same. I, I'm I'm like you. I think, um, it, I won't mention the person, but there's a couple of people over on the X-Cast who uh, all they do is watch x-files you know what i mean sometimes like every single day or they're going through a rewatch and stuff like that they will watch other things but it's literally that's their their make their makeup and you see on the behind the walls they've got you know wall full of posters and, and ornaments and all kinds of things mm, whereas mm. i'm 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 kind of a bit like you i'm i've got a star trek podcast a red dwarf podcast now you know <laughs> you know an x-file podcast a millennium podcast because i'm i like the genre of sci-fi and and tv shows more than i actually do the events themselves. That's not to say I'm not a huge fan of any of them. I'm a huge fan of all of them. But as you say, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm not a master of any of them. I'm just Mm. well-versed in all of them. Yeah, and I do like the term polymath. It makes me sound more intelligent than I am. Just means I like lots of things, Kurt. Yeah, okay, same here. Polymath, I'm going to use that from now on. We're we're, we're also polymath podcasters. We should start a podcast called Polymath Podcaster. I I nearly did. I actually nearly did. (laughs) And then I didn't. I started one about tattoos instead. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. At Ink Stories Pod on Twitter, if you want to like see my podcast about tattoos. Cheap plug, cheap plug. Who says we don't have a format? Because every single time we've got to fit in one of our podcasts at the beginning of it. Absolutely. What's the format? Yeah. 
yeah, get it done. So what I thought I'd do was I'd basically just go through literally everything that was at the convention and we'll have a brief chat, but no spoilers. I don't want to ruin stuff because some of this stuff might go on YouTube and people might want to watch it. What we will very briefly talk about first is on the Thursday before the convention, on the Saturday, there was an unpleasant article in the Daily Mail. I think it would be remiss of us to not touch on it, but I only want to touch on it. Yeah. Doug Naylor has initiated high court action against Rob Grant, claiming that he was removed from the board and is owed £160,000. And a quote from Ian Sims at Ganymede.tv his response was, whoever wins, we lose. And I'm not so sure that's actually true. I think it's completely understandable that Ian was devastated by the news. I think we all were. But we were kind of reassured that everybody, regardless of any issues, is still committed to continuing with Red Dwarf for as long as they possibly can. That was made quite explicit very early on at the convention, wasn't it? Yeah, Rob Grant and Paul Jackson were on their um, Whitehall commentary before and before, before they started. And I think Rob's dealt with this really well, actually. You know, I mean, I it's not something, again, you know, being the, the polymaths that we are, we have. I wasn't aware of any of this until it came up on Thursday. The way that Rob Grant handled it is that there's an elephant in the room. Let's just talk about this now. Let's just get to underline, we love Red Dwarf. We want Red Dwarf to continue in its forms. And basically that what what we've heard is kind of like what we, you know, we, we, we we're not going to discuss about it too much. Paul Jackson then said, look, there's things that's been signed already. Doug Naylor has been, is on board with the writing of it. The contracts have been signed. Um, now, obviously, there's maybe some contractual things that will need to be sorted out in the courts if that's the case. Uh, Rob Grant didn't mention Doug, and I wouldn't expect him to, to be honest. Uh, I know there's been a bit of fraction between the two of them, but the main focus for me on that little section as you say we don't want to dwell on it is that rob grant says he is dedicated to writing scripts he feels that he's got the the red dwarf in mojo back in some ways he's written this 10 minute script which we talk we'll talk about later and that you know it was very reassuring for the fans i think and i think the way that he he expressed it so kind of nipped it in the bud and just said you know let's just continue on this weekend i thought that was a really good yeah. little touch from both of them actually there was also, if you remember, a very brief Sorry I Can't Be Here video from Doug Naylor as well, which, you know, the fact that we've got this going on on Thursday and they're both a part of the convention on the Saturday, yeah. it shows that regardless of their own issues with each other, they obviously both still love the fans. And yeah. that's brilliant. What more can you ask? They both love the fans, they both love the show, full stop. You know, at the end of the day, I don't think that's in dispute. So... No, you know, which is which is good news from 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 a fan's perspective. I think so, but we're going to move on. That's all we're going to say yep. about it. So before we got in, while we were in the Zoom waiting room, I just wanted to mention the uh, the screen on Eventbrite said, in accordance with Space Corps Directive three one two, we are here to provide you with minimum leisure facilities during quarantine. That popped me. That absolutely <laughs> popped me. The dedication and the attention to detail before you'd even got into the fucking convention. Yeah. I was really, really pleased. And I was like, okay, good start. And I wasn't disappointed afterwards either. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think the it, just to mention the um the breaks in between, even though they were short, they were for around oh, four, shit, five minutes. <laughs> Fuck, right. If you want some feedback officially Red Dwarf fan club, <laughs> fucking hell. Five minute breaks is only just about enough time to have a wee and mecha brew and 
I didn't have a sandwich on the first day. <laughs> if I'd have known there was only really five minute breaks, I'd have had a sandwich ready. Yeah. But if, right, if that's my only complaint, <laughs> if that's genuinely yeah. my only complaint, my my, my only my, my only complaint, I understand and I get this. I'm, being in the, in the world that I'm in, you know, and, and stuff that I've dealt with before, I know that things can overrun. I know things can go wrong. I know there's tech issues and whatever. It would have been nice of a general overview of certain things. You know, like we're going to have an, uh, there's going to be a half an hour gap, three hours, four hours into it within between 12 and one or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, or just a little break, just a 20 minute break. Yeah, they didn't announce yeah. at all who was gone when and the timings or anything like that. And there was a lot of whining in the chat. I wasn't so bothered about that. Mm. I just wanted ten minute breaks instead of five. Personally, yeah. anyway, I, I think. Well, I think I think it's knowledge, isn't it? The more if if you know that you come into a break, then you, you you can get yourself ready. I'm going right. Okay, I'm going. We're going to have a fifteen yeah. minute break in in after this next one. Even if it was like after this next segment, we're going to have a, a longer break on a 15, 20 minute break. Then you know for the next hour that you, by the end of this hour you're going to have this fifteen minute break. But again, you know that's the only negative. That was the only negative for me, and it wasn't even a negative. It was just like I would have liked to have had a, just a little bit more time. Right, and on the flip side of that, the fact that they're cramming so much in that they can only have five minute breaks is incredibly generous for the yeah. price that we paid. Yeah, the whole convention was nine quid for two days entertainment, a fiver if you're a member of the fan club. How the fuck did they make any money out of that? Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be a lot of people are giving up their time, aren't they? Must be a lot of people attending. Yeah, the technical aspects. I think they said there was about 300 people in at one point. Um, I don't know how many, num what the numbers were, but that's. I think they were just highlighting how many people were actually physically there at one second. Um, so, mm. you know, people would come in and stuff. Yeah. And I think well, it might not be... everyone's a massive nerd like you and me who pay for something and then sit there for the whole fucking day. Well, that's true. I mean, I think we need to, uh, <laughs> we, we also need to just, just because of the, the ticket price, the, you know, the Seb Patrick thing as well, the fact that they, it, it was that cheap, but they were suggesting that people pay, f um, some, or d donate to the Trussell Trust as well. Yes, absolutely. We, we have put that on our, Twitter feed, but we'll put it again. And I'm obviously struggling with my job during COVID times, but the fact that it cost me nine quid mm. was an absolute steal. So I'm going to chuck them some money to the Trussell Trust after yeah. we've done this, I think. I will be as well, yeah, definitely. You know, and I was actually amazed, going back to the positive and negative, I was actually amazed that, as you say, they've crammed so much in that they only had, from what I, from my recollection, Maybe two technical, maybe three technical issues. They were so minor. A lot of them were just like, you know, like say someone being slightly late or just moving from what, because they've obviously had a Zoom call in a different room, um, mm. moving them back into the main room. I think Rob Grant had a, um, Paul Jackson was once was quite funny because they were saying about the ITV thing, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was funny. He says he's been having a go, he's been having a go at them all all this time, and he couldn't get it back in the room. And then during the script read, there was a, a bit of um, echo. But you know, for that, you know, in the space of all day, and no, me knowing how technical issues can go, I think they, they yeah. did a marvelous job. It was pretty slick, and yeah. their, even their holding screens were great. They played music from the show while you were waiting that was thematic and. It was kind of fun working out, oh, that's that from that episode. That was the montage where Lister was on the cop. That was when 
Crichton was doing the Iron. Of course, that's government of the apocalypse. And oh, that's when they come out of reality and back to reality. It's, I, I, I don't know about you, but I quite enjoyed reminiscing yeah. over all these songs that you don't think about until you hear them, but they're really kind of iconic. Yeah, some of the 80s guitar riffs and things like that were really kind of, oh, right. Do you know what? And I actually, I think I, we were messaging on on the book um, during the, during the, the show. We, we were messaging on the book. We were, we were tweeting on Twitter and we were watching it on Zoom. So we're doing all right as a multitask. Um, yeah. But there was, um, yeah, but the, the some of the music was like, do you know what, this is, a, the music in Red Dwarf has made me, had more appreciation for it. And I know you haven't seen it, but the air droid stuff was really good as well. It basically, that just takes the, the smeg out of um, like, um, shopping channels, your QVCs right. and stuff. There's an episode where, it, where Lister's on the phone for ages. Um, so that's that's a, a later episode, which I know you haven't seen, mm. but that was nice to see that because it's obviously a commercial, so it works really well. So Yeah. So as we got into the room, there were no cameras, and I was like, thank fuck for that. I'm in a toweling robe. Yes. And, um... We had to make sure you were in, I was in a toweling robe too. We had to make sure that was that, that was the case. <laughs> so there was no cameras and no microphone access. And I'll tell you what, right decision. There were so many people there that it was... It would have been crazy if people were allowed to talk. And um, just in case there was cameras on the second day, I did put on clothes today. But on the first day, I was in a toweling robe until a five-minute break, and then I switched to a onesie. Fair it, it just felt good to be able to go to a convention <laughs> in a onesie. Yeah. That's great, man. Another thing I'd like to point out that this is the first time an online convention has been done ever for Red Dwarf. It was was said in the chat. And we had Aussies and Americans and people from other countries that it was their first opportunity to come to a convention. And wow, 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 COVID sucks. Wow, wow, mental health, blah, blah, blah. Everything I say on Twitter and everywhere else. Isn't that brilliant? Mm. That this was a final, this was an opportunity for people from other countries to come along for nine quid rather than hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of whatever currency they they have. I'll put this into context that... I went to the red. As I say, I went to the X Files uh, convention in Chicago, and it was um, it probably cost. It was it was four digits. It was one thousand plus. You know to to do that money. for for a weekend. You know what I mean. And as I say, this is like nine nine quid nine quid per per person. Uh, yes, time zones is obviously an issue, but they they got up. There was people saying they were up at it was four a.m. in the morning, mm. and I think. Throughout not only this one, uh, I've seen some of the virtual cons that I know some people who go to different cons as well. And mm-hmm. they have all said that, you know, some like there's book signings that's happening at the moment, which your video calls in. Um, some of the actors are doing it. You've got Cameo now, which has kind of come out of it. So I, yeah. I think this is going to be here to stay in some form. I think there will be elements of shows that will go virtual or be part virtual. You know, there's definitely there's definitely a room for it. And as much as I hate to say this, there will be money in it in some ways for, for other people. Oh, yeah. So the fact that you can have maybe a mix of both would be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. Yeah, you'll never get rid of cons. I think the element of getting an actual photo mm. with a star, that's not for me. That's never been something I've been particularly interested in. But I know this it's huge and people love it. Yeah, Hattie, Hattie Heritage loves it. She does. <laughs> so, I think the idea of beer in the bar and meeting folk afterwards that is what appeals to me that you could never get with the online thing but no that and that, but that's also why i think we'll continue to get both yeah 
everybody's learning as they go along through this shitty pandemic. And isn't it good that something like this can come out of it? Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 as I say, I think it's not just Red Dwarf. I think it's it's going to be right through all fandoms. I think there'll be elements of this. Mm. You know, whether mm. it be, you know, whether it be like it is now, you know, you've got a hollyhop and a dimension jump. Do you keep hollyhop? Do you keep it as it is? Or do you have, do you shorten it down to just the day? You know, do you have elements within the same thing? And that's questions that everyone's going to have. And I think it's wonderful. I think that it will be, it will be something to stay. I definitely think that after how incredibly successful and popular this was, no, I couldn't see a word in the chat that was anything other than positive. No. And fandom is not normally like that. Yeah. So I think they've got to do another Hollyhop, regardless of whether or not we do get Dimension Jump this year. I think they maybe not necessarily one of each a year, but mm. why not? Yeah. If they've got the resources to do it, if they've got the staff, the volunteers, whatever, get it on. Yeah. People will go. I would I definitely think- go to it. I would definitely take a weekend out to sit here. And watch yeah. it. So yeah, I think so too. Right, should we have a quick rundown of what we got to see, Kurt? Yes. So first up was a introduction from Alex from the fan club. He did kind of like a cheeky season one Holly style intro, which was fun, and that was followed with the first Q and A, which was with Mac McDonald, who played Captain Hollister. Yeah, and what I liked about Mac because obviously. Knowing and seeing him on screen, you don't really get any, an idea of what the characters are like. And it's over the course of this weekend, it quickly become apparent that Mac McDonald's is quite a is quite a fun guy to be around. Definitely, uh, some of the stuff that he was talking about, you know, the um, some of the street theatre that he did when he was younger with the karaoke stuff that he talked about, and the uh, you know, kind of almost like almost comedic moments in in Australia yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, where, you know, he, he paused the event because somebody went to the toilet. Stuff like that was just really good, and he's just really amenable and just able to to hold the audience. I thought it was a really good opening start, actually. Yeah, he was a charming man with fun stories. I couldn't agree more with you. And um, I'd also like to point out that Kerry was a fantastic host. You never mm. know what you're going to get with convention hosts. And she was great. Well done. So yeah. her, I think, um, oh, he also sang Great Balls of Fire, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, was the first thing that you uh, come to at half past 10 in the morning. Uh, lovely. Good. Thanks. <laughs> um, I also put in my notes, 30 minutes felt like five. Yeah. Yeah, it was quick. Yeah, it felt quick. It was, uh, as I say, good start. Really good start. Next up was a cosplay class by Jen Tate, who is also known as the girl in the gingham dress. And she was showing us how you can put together a Lister-style leather jacket. And I'm fascinated by cosplay. I'm not very good at it, but I'm fascinated by it. And I guess, again, it goes to the not a big fan of anything thing, but I found this utterly fascinating. Well, I can't discuss it because I wasn't around at this point. So I I didn't, um, I took a a time out from this this one. But... uh, was it? I did see the bit with the like the Wilma Flintstone stuff on the on the back, and she said it was wasn't sure if it was copyright and things like that. But how did you yeah. find? How, did you did you learn stuff from it? Were you, was it something that you would potentially do in the future, or do you think it was just a really good like thing to get an insight on? I'm not an artistic person, so I would struggle with the acrylic paints that she was talking about. But I think one of the big takeaways that I took from it was that it's okay to order shit from other people for your cosplay. You don't have to make everything. And I feel like 
previously, I'd, in, at least in my head, maybe I'm just a weirdo, but in my head, it was there's a kind of pride in cosplay of making everything that you do from scratch. But she was talking about getting badges imported and patches made and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't quite as intimidating and as stuck up about everybody making everything themselves as perhaps my impression was of cosplay. And yeah. that's cool, man. Yeah, and and again, if I just um, talk about, I, I know I keep going back to the ex-cast, but that's the only one I've got reference to. There's there's a there's a couple, there's a married couple that go to the conventions, and they're very very similar to what she does. You know that they'll go in the first thing when you first arrive, there they are. You know, and they're like infamous for the or famous yeah. for the for, the, for the, com, the convention as a whole. And you'd see them throughout the day; they'd be in different costumes right throughout the day, and then the following day and the night time, you'd be like, "What are they wearing now?" You know, and and it's it's it seems to be a trope of like fandom that you get maybe those people. Who, who enjoy that. It's not something for me, really, but, you know, the, the, we had a dress-up on, on that and had a quiz night where you got dressed up and stuff like that, but um, I just thought it, it, it was it was nice that, you know, to be able to give something back to, to, the, to the people who might not mm. be like, say, for example, yourself, if you, if you did want to go down that route, that at least there's something there for, for you to do. And I'm going to give it a go, I think, because I've already decided I'm going to go to Dimension Jump on the merits of this it was brilliant so i want to go to the in-person one so i'm going to give it a go i'm only going to do one and i'll probably only wear it for half a day but i'm going to give it a go and if it's shite i don't think people will take the piss which is something i've always been a bit worried about when it comes to cosplay right okay so more of the embarrassment of the costume rather than just being in the costume as such yeah it not being up to scratch to the professional jobs you know yeah yeah, and I think I think going back to uh, say the the X cast one when we did go for those quiz, I didn't I didn't get dressed up, but some of the people around me did, and you know there were there weren't we weren't by any stretch imagine the best costumes. We just threw some stuff mm. on and went there you go, you know, and had a bit of fun with it. And I think if that's the yeah. case, and if it's the right if it's the right fandom, and Red Dwarf seems to be the right fandom, you know, you can go as uh, uh, whatever you like. You know, you can go in as however yeah. you like. So it's good. Yeah, so I won't be doing Crichton, but I might be doing. I don't know, Rimmer with the goatee and the Give Keisha's Chance t-shirt, maybe. Well, having maybe. said that, though, the, the, the Ellie who played Crichton, I liked what she did with her costume on the uh, on the read-through. You know, yeah, just draw, well, drawing the lines on her, on her chin and stuff like that, was, uh, I thought yeah, it was quite good. Yeah, very true. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm. So next up was a Q&A with Robert Llewellyn, and oh my goodness, what a wonderful, charismatic, fantastic, fascinating man. Oh, he's lovely, isn't he? He is, he is, yeah. There's, <laughs> it, um, one of the concerns that I always have with this type of thing is that people will retell the same stories. Like, when I've done interviews with people before, you've probably had this as well, Mark, at some point, where mm. people will give you the same stock answer. And, and I always think in interviews, when, I, when I'm trying to interview people, is I try to avoid the, the obvious questions. You know, I try yeah, to avoid, too. like, because you're going to get the same answer. You're going to, it's like, right, yeah, I've heard that on YouTube, or I've seen that on this podcast, that podcast and finding the right questions. And um, there is a danger with that and certain elements of, of some of stuff, but whenever Robert Lullowin's on, it, there's always like, you know, uh, a, a friendliness and, a, and a, you know, and as you say, he's engaging. Mm. But the, the one I, the thing I particularly took the most out of it, because they kept asking about lockdown, what have you been doing during lockdown and stuff, which I suppose that's a nice question to ask, yeah to see how, the, how they were getting on and, uh, you know, things about him being unwell during the Promised Land recording and stuff like that I've heard before. But uh, the Kira Knightley long neck conversation was just brilliant. I just loved that. It was 
bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) Beyond his obsession slightly with Keira Knightley, I just found his clear love, his joy of what he's done for 30 years and how it hasn't faded, how much he loves the show. And I'm just, yeah, what a guy. Uh, and I realise that's a quote. Yeah, what a yeah, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we may be polymaths, but we get some references. <laughs> well, quite. Not quite. Not very many answers in the quiz, though. But again, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, next up was Mark Dexter, who is from a later series. So I did actually take some time away and got on with a bit of stuff. And you just went to that one. How was he? It was really good. Really, really good. He was. Um, it was nice to, because he's only in one episode. He, he plays Howard Rummer. Um, as we mentioned, mm. uh, we talked, we briefly were, when we were on the quiz, I basically went, it's Howard Rimmer, just so you knew who he was. Yeah. And to be honest, he plays, he plays a really, really good part in it. And he's memorable. There's, there's a couple of joke moments that are like memorable in the, in the episode. He was talking about his music. You know, he's, he's done music during lockdown. And I found it really right. intriguing because he talked a lot about things like how people have changed, you know, during lockdown or found the mojo in various different things. and. Through the through the talent of music, they, it moved on from uh, from that to doing some projects which you can't really talk about at the moment. Mm. He also said how much he's appreciated that he, even before he was on the show, was a massive Red Dwarf fan, and he, a lot of Rimmer would come out of him because he, Rimmer was one of his favorite characters, and you know the fact that uh, you know even characters he's played before. I think he said in the Bill, there's a guy called uh, I think it was a guy called Hindley in the Bill. It was a bit of a mm. bit of an asshole, and <laughs> somebody had asked the question. You know, you know, did you base that on Rimmer? Can you know moving into that episode, that TV show? And he, he said, no, not really. But then thinking about it, actually, he is a bit of an asshole. Actually, and he's a bit like this, and he's a bit like that. <laughs> I can see why you've drawn those <laughs> correlations. And yeah, it was thoroughly entertaining. And uh, as I say, he's got music on Spotify and stuff like that. Um, Really, really um, interesting stuff and a, and a really nice addition and probably one of the highlights for me because it's someone you don't know. It's someone who you go, oh, that he played that part and then you get to learn more about him. He also suggested a couple of books as well um, to read. Brilliant. So, so yeah, so really entertaining uh, 20 minutes, half an hour with him. Yep. Brilliant. Uh, next up was a Q&A with Norman Lovett. Uh, at this point, I was like, so we've had Mac McDonald, Robert Llewellyn, and Norman Lovett, I've got my fiver's worth. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I thought that after the after Mac McDonald, to be honest. And there was so much more, so much more. And isn't Norman Lovett just lovely? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's um, he he's he's a difficult one to interview, but uh, but brilliant because of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just wanted to tell what stories he wanted to tell at yeah. various points, and I'm like, you you just go for it, Norman. Yeah. And for someone who played a ship's computer, his completely and utterly charming befuddlement with his computer just made me <laughs> smile so much. Yeah, it was a bit meta. It's <laughs> like he's not doing it. On, he's not doing it on purpose, but he's just like so funny that you could. Uh, he's adorable. I yeah. want I want him to be like mates with my dad. Same age as my dad, and uh, I'd love him to be mates with my dad because yeah. then I could say. My dad's mate is Norman Lovett. Yeah. And the thing is, his love for football came out as well, didn't it? The fact, I know you're not a football yeah. person, but... I've heard of football. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a round thing that you kick around a, a pitch. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. I think my team does okay these days. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he was he was wonderfully scatty. Some of his comments were, were brilliant. Yeah, and, and thoroughly enjoyable. 
next up, we had Matthew Clark, who did like a proper talk about the sets in Red Dwarf. So it was it was like a presentation followed by a Q&A, which is more what I've been used to on Zoom, both as a presenter and as someone who's observed. So this was more what I was expecting it to be rather than just straight into the Q&As. Right. And um, he basically describes Red Dwarf as, and I quote, British Rail in Space. Do you know what? I, that, I haven't made many notes, but that note, that was like brilliant. That is perfect. <laughs> and I, I just think it's worth pointing out that this guy is clearly super talented because he had a budget of fuck all and made something very special. And it was a really, really interesting talk. I, I loved it. I really yeah. loved it. Yeah. Are you talking about the, the way that conferences work and stuff that I've done in the past and uh, what we expect. This is pretty much at my work when we've had large events like this on is what you would get. You would get your stalls set out. So your stalls would Mm. be your your actors, you know, taking your photographs and stuff like that. That's what your stalls would be really. Then you'll have an event. So a question and answer session in our theater, you know, you have someone doing a demo, doing a, a question and answer session there an interview, sit down interview. And then in the other rooms that we've got, you would have workshops and this would fall into that category of like, you know, he, he would be there, okay, at two o'clock, there's going to be a workshop in that room and you'd go and see that workshop and you'd maybe pay for mm, it or mm. maybe in the ticket price. So that's the kind of thing that I, that I was used to. I was like, all oh, right, okay, this is, in my head, this is the way that my conference events go, tend to, yeah. uh, with these events or like particular, like, sectioned events. And um, I thought it was amazing. I, I love graphic design. I can't do any of it. I love the idea of it. I love the thought of it. Some of the pictures are amazing that he's taken. And also, it's, it's nice to get an idea of, like, people behind the scenes like that when they're having to jump from one job to another. So one day you might be mm. on the Fast and Furious set, and then next thing you're on a Red Dwarf <laughs> set. You know, And the fact that he nicked something from the Fast and Furious set to put it into Red Dwarf was, you know, marvellous. Brilliant. And the, the little Easter eggs, like the um, Decker's number within one of the serial numbers on Red Dwarf, the fact that that's the, another link with Blade Runner, which comes back time and time again. Uh, mm. Stuff like that was really good. And just his general kind of, as you say, the things that the budget he's had to work on and and how much it's, how difficult it is. And just by chance, you know, that you end up on these shows and stuff. So, yeah, yeah I thought it was really, really in-depth. And for me personally, stuff like the LED screens as well, which I quite like the, you know, you, you can think about, oh, you have a monitor, TV monitor or a PC monitor there. But if you've got to think about viewing angles, you know, I'm looking at a computer mm. screen now. But if I was looking at it from a 25 to 30 degree angle, it would look probably grey. And we, yeah. when bringing that up, I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I, I thought as a tech geek that I am, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I'm not a tech geek, but I was still interested and I was still transfixed on, on, on the talk. So that's credit to the fact that you can get two very different people to sit there and want to see your shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Next up was a promo video about the Red Dwarf Starbug from the chap who is a Lego expert who has created this Starbug that he's submitted to Lego as a potential full-time proper released in your Lego shop set that you can build. And holy fuck, again, I've never been this obsessed about anything but his love of Lego and his knowledge of Lego, and he's got like this fucking Lego workshop in his house. What a fascinating thing. I I want it. 
<laughs> I didn't see too much of it. I, I was on this particular bit. I I was having to make a couple of calls, but um, right. I, I I dipped in and out. So I saw like when he opened Starbug up, and you know you've got the just where the location of Starbug is, and he's saying about the different variations that we've had, and you know he's wanting them to do it. That Mister Flibble already exists, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, uh, there is a the... demonic penguin Lego piece <laughs> that he didn't need to get made because it's there. Yeah, which I Good. thought was brilliant. And as I say, the, the love of it, I think it's it's marvellous that he's managed to put all his effort into it. I think it's just, you know, for someone to be that dedicated to it. I know that he's, I've been aware of him for a while. Pretty much since mm. we started this podcast, I think I've become aware yeah. of him. Um, so the fact that, you know, we've been aware of him for the past year and seeing it, properly without because obviously i don't think i would actively go and look for it but mm. just being on the screen at the time i was well impressed with what with what he's done with it and i think it was amazing the video we saw is going to go on youtube so as soon as we know that that's about we'll stick it on our socials not everything we saw is going to go on youtube because i did ask that and the fan club admin folk did tell me that they weren't sure what was going up, but this one was confirmed would. And I think the cosplay ones are uh, also yeah. confirmed as going up as I, well. I think there's an element of copyright and stuff yeah. like that, isn't there? So. Yeah. But I just want to make this Red Dwarf thing with my nephew who loves Lego. By the time it's released, he'll be seven or eight, which is about right age to get him into Red Dwarf, eh? Which leads in perfectly to comments that we were making over the weekend of... Isn't it strange? This is something that we've never really talked about before. We've talked about our entrance into Red Dwarf and how we've all found it, you know, within mm. the group, the team that we do as on Shipwrecked and Comatose. And we're all pretty much about the same age when it comes to when we started watching it. You know, anything between yeah. 11 and 15 and 16. And what, what, I, what you noted, you, it was you, you noted it on Twitter, that it seemed to me there was a lot of young people in in you know in the um, in the actual show in the event in the um, you know the the weekend, but the more that we got talking to like even like the the cast of the the read through that you, you they were saying oh well I started watching it when I was eleven or fourteen or whatever, and it was mm. like isn't it strange how it seems to be that most people tend to pick this show up around the same age? It's cool, isn't it? Mm. And I'm just like I said on Twitter, I'm reassured that there's enough young fans. That this could go on forever. Yeah. Forever and ever and ever. Next up, we had a talk by Colin Howard about the artwork he did for this magazine and the front covers of the VHSs. And holy fuck, this man is talented. Yeah. There's um again, I don't want to like cast cast like sort of like a comparison between uh, the two fandoms, but there's a guy called JJ Lendl who's a who's a an artist who does a lot of Star Trek, he does a lot of X-Files, and it, in my head, it's the same sort of thing. It, it's it's like, you know, you've got this, um, it's almost like this um, segue of like, this is what you would get in a convention, these are the type of people that you would get for their art. And some of the artwork he was displaying was uh, or showing was was really, really good. I mean... Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, the uh, Rimmer in, in being held, held, held hostage in his own dream world um, you know, <laughs> it was it was a particular moment in point where he says, "I don't know if he came to um, to a model for this, but uh, <laughs> which I thought was great." And then, ironically, is so you're saying about the magazine because because in the read through there was the Czech Republic girl, yeah, 
she held up a magazine which had that very image on the front. Mm. So I was wondering if that was the same image yeah. that she did. So, well, I mean, this magazine is rare now. Yeah, you can find it online, but to get the paper copies, I bet they're worth a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the um, I know you're not going to like this. But like the uh, the U two fan club had something similar, you know what I mean? I've heard of U two? They had a couple of good hits, didn't they? The, yeah. the Batman one. The Batman one was good. They had a couple. Of, yeah. They've got a couple of great albums after after the Batman one, and and, and the one about discos as well. That yeah. one was quite good. And the uh, the early stuff is really good. Uh, you know, some some of our. Oh, they've been around a while. They've they? been a while, a while. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> next up was uh, Hattie Hayridge. Uh, her Q and A. And she said that Zoom is nerve-wracking, and she's not wrong. I've, you know, I've done wrestling announcing for 10 years, but I had to do a talk to a group of scouts, and I was more nervous about that than I was at my last wrestling gig. And I'm like, she's not wrong. Zoom is fucking frightening. It's because you can't see people's reactions. Yeah, it it is. And I think think you play off, you'd play off the audience as well. I mean, just from... Say like even like the band, you know, because I play in mm. a band as well. I play in a wedding band. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you do outside of outside of COVID, but I, I'm you know. a uh, humanist celebrant. Oh, I, yeah. do, okay. uh, I do. I do non-religious naming ceremonies, weddings, and funerals. Right. Okay. I write and deliver them. Right. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, but, but but being in the band, playing weddings and stuff like that, you know, it it can you can have a horrible gig with like 300 people in there or have an amazing one mm. with 25 people and it all relates oh, on, yeah. it can it can all relate on the on the number of people it's not about number it's about the people wanting to enjoy themselves and being able to like link in say say you, you, you're playing and you just end up like crossing eyes with somebody and going you, you start to like chat not chat with them but visually communicate engage. with them yeah engage with them and, uh, you know, you might catch up later on or, or you might not ever see them again, but you've got that relationship with it. And Zoom doesn't allow you to do that. You know, I mean, you get used to it. I mean, for us, for example, mm. we started this podcast not video calling. It was on Skype and, you know, we just yeah. did it voice. But now now we're just, you know, we turn our cameras on and away we go. But it, but it does take a while, you know, because I wasn't a massive video person, you know, moving forward. I, I did not want to be on screen. No, but as as things have got on, it's taken a while. But to do it cold, to do it like okay, you're going on onto Zoom and you're going to do an interview with us and not to see and not to see the audience is uh, must be. And she seems like she's naturally a a person who who enjoys that because, as I say, the photography stuff. So she's a stand up comic, wasn't she? Well, yes, yeah, yeah that as well, isn't it? Yeah. And um, she did also point out that at Dimension Jump that uh, there's a disco that she really likes. I want a boogie with Holly. I would like that. We'll try and arrange that. <laughs> <laughs> but again, another fantastic guest, charming, wonderful stories, lots of talk about hairdos. But she was just brilliant. And another one who it's just clear that she's happy that she's a part of this fandom and that she's yeah. been a part of Red Dwarf. She answered my question as well, because I asked the question. Yeah, I asked about, because uh, Mac McDonald, I said, um, I'd been asked if you were to play over a part, which other part would you play? And he said, Holly. So I asked um, Hattie, what advice would you give him? And this is, an, again, another insight into his character. <laughs> she basically went, maybe he needs a chill pill or something just to calm him down. Because <laughs> Holly's quite still and stilted. You've got to be like sort of really quite focused in the screen. And the fact that he's, uh, he's all over the place was great. 
Uh, next up was the White Hole commentary, which was one of the big advertised main event kind of things of the weekend that they were talking about, where Rob Grant, Paul Jackson and Ed Bai discussed and talked about White Hole as they played the episode. Beforehand, there was a big chat and we discovered via Rob Grant's Alexa that she can quote Space Corps directives, which I did not know. No, and I've tried it with, I better not say the word, the other search engine, because there's one right next to me. Right. And it doesn't work. Well, there you go. So it's just Alexa. And uh, Alexa gets quite cross if you ask her if she wants some toast as well. Brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. I, I must admit, the fact that... You know, I read the off and is actually programming Alexa is fantastic. And I apologize for anyone who's was setting off. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and it was great. There was lots of chat beforehand. They went into a lot of cool stuff during the episode and an extensive Q&A afterwards. And they did say that they might work with Big Finish in the future, to which I can say, yes, please, yes, please. All of the Big Finish. Let's get the Big Finish Red Dwarf sorted. Big Finish Red Dwarf, please. Okay. I I, I noticed a few people were asking. I know you asked. And I noticed a few people were asking, actually, if we work with Big Finish. Big Finish are amazing. And one of my biggest sadnesses about Big Finish is that no fucker bought the Judge Dredd stuff. And it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And right. it lasted about 15 discs and no one bought it. So they fucked it off. And I was like, oh, mm. so if they do do big finish, Red Dwarf, buy it. <laughs> um, the thing about the, the, because the, you haven't been watching the quarantine episodes, have you? No, I decided I'd let you do that. Yeah. So, so basically, <laughs> basically what you saw in that Whitehall commentary is what you get. That's exactly right. what you get. You get. Sometimes you'll get, you know, it's all three of them. Sometimes it'll be Rob Grant, Paul Jackson, and a guest. They've had right. the, when Hattie came on with the, you know, the 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 um, things behind her, the actual curtains behind her that she was put onto a thing to make it look like the Parrot's Bar. She yeah. did. She turned up on on that episode, and Brilliant. she was, she helped with that. And I think Tony Hawks might have been on. So the, so that's how the quarantine episodes look. That's basically what they do. The only difference is that we, um, which is when you were asking about the episode during the, you know, when we were face aching, you asked, do I need to play the episode? I assumed you did because we know that you don't see on the screen normally, whereas on this right, one you did. Okay. So that's the only difference. This one may go up on YouTube, but they didn't actually say either way. I'm thinking that if they're counting it as one of their quarantine commentaries, that it'll eventually make its way onto YouTube, hopefully. Mm, I think it, could it's just a few bits like the question and answer afterwards and when the presenter came in towards the end um, and obviously some of the the questions at the beginning uh, some of the stuff at the beginning might not make it but oh yeah um, they should cut that yeah i think they will i don't think they'll put that in yeah. but um it'll be interesting to see if they refilm it or redo it again or they'll mm. just keep it as as it is so uh, whether or not we get there so we'll see it was great fun. Yeah. Basically, it was great fun. And um, we stopped live tweeting because we wanted to watch it. We did, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, next up, I thought that was it, right? I thought that was it for the first day. But no, only Chris Barry, you know, just one of the main <laughs> stars. Just just, just, just a little bit of Chris Barry. Let's just tag Chris Barry on at the end of the day. I think this is where we were talking right before it happened. We were like, I'm really tired now. I need to, you know, it's like <laughs> four o'clock, ten past four. It's like, 
this needs to be, oh, this is the end now. It's good. Oh, Chris Barry, Chris Barry's on. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. We'll get through this. <laughs> and um, again, what a guy. I'd, I'd go through, I've gone through all the guests that they've had and not a one of them was one of those shitty guests that turns up and goes, no, nah, 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 just there for the money kind of bollocks. They all clearly want to be there. They all clearly love the fact that they get to engage with the fans of Red Dwarf and that's fucking ace that. Yeah, it's it was a highlight of it. It's It's been really concise, clear and constructive, but, um, you know, it was really nice from that point of view. And uh, But Chris Barry was really, really... Good as, as always, as he always is. Uh, he can't beat, you know, him doing his accents. You can't beat Oh, that. it was wonderful. And the way he slipped in and out of his impressions, like he was just sipping a cup of tea, I was like, fuck me, this guy's talented. We always knew, and we've gushed over Chris Barry a hundred times on this podcast, but yeah. to actually see him just do it live so naturally and easily, and I was like, fuck, this guy's good. Yeah, and well, the thing is as well that I've seen this happen. I think I'm sure it's Rory Bramley, you know, when people have talked about finding the person or finding the, the essence of who that person is now there's, mm. there's there's a divide line of like doing what chris barry does or doing what say chris pine does in star trek you know chris pine kind of went through a version of um of captain kirk but did it in a way that's like it only touches upon it you only see it on occasion and flickers mm. so it's like it's not a direct copy now obviously chris barry's doing it a different way he's doing like he's an impressionist at the end of the day but yeah. both have the same kind of thing of like you need to find and he, he Chris Barry was struggling to find the word, the key, but it's basically finding what makes that person that person. So the the thing when he started talking about the jaw being down or forward or or whatever, yeah. you're trying to like move your body in such a way that kind of emanates that um, feeling of that person. And then that will come naturally from there. The Irish accent comes out then and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and he, he was having problems trying to pass that information on because it's something he does naturally. So the fact I yeah. can imagine that, but just the the very process of that you know how how would you do that you need to find what makes the essence of that person uh, to be able to do that and i think it was really good that he was able to talk about that yeah and i think the kind of nuances of an impressionist was a fascinating thing for him to talk about and again it goes back to what you were saying about this not being lots of standard questions and mm. they got that right throughout the whole weekend some of the questions asked by the hosts and the questions asked by the fans yeah. were really varied and gave us a different experience with every speaker. Mm. And that fucking sweet spot doesn't happen very often. You get the same nerds asking, where was your favourite episode? Fuck off. <laughs> and we didn't get any of that this weekend. And that was brilliant. Yeah. And then we were like, right, Tito- oh, Tony Hawks is on in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. and so you and I were like, right, that's it, that's it. Oh, more. And yeah. it was at this point, I was like, is this actually on all night? And this does go back to the fact that they didn't give us a schedule. They didn't tell mm. us anything other than a start time getting this Zoom room. And if they'd been shit guests, I'd have been cross. If they had been, I don't know, anything other than what they gave us, I'd have started to lose my temper because I just wanted to sit down. Yeah. And um, Tony Hawks, though, brilliant. Coco the dog made her appearance lots of times. I thought I was hallucinating at that point. I thought I've given up the ghost here. <laughs> it's me gone. I've done, I was like, I've got a little um, little chest freezer next to me, like a little drink, drinking fridge. Now, I haven't got any alcohol in it, 
But I was like at that point going, I need reach for the monster. I need I need something. I need something to keep going. And then I started hearing this dog and I was like, Am I hearing that? What's going on there? Nah. And then, then he then he basically said, you know, there's a dog here. I was like, right, okay. Coco. So, yeah, it's fine. I'm not losing. Coco it. was lovely. I really liked Coco. And um, one thing that Tony Hawk said that made me go, Oh, I feel your vibe. He can't fit in the green suit anymore from Red Dwarf. And I'm like, I can't fit into half of my jeans after fucking lockdown. So <laughs> brother yeah yeah and what a what a great man he is as well the amount of stuff yeah. that he's done i haven't really paid that much attention to him but i think i'm gonna need to get some of his books because mm. the stuff that he's that he's done he's got a big heart he's got you know loads of things going on in in his life with charity work and things like that and i think it's definitely yeah. worth mentioning that i think he's going to um, it's it, I, I need I need to find out more about him. The Tony Hawk. I'm glad he brought up the Tony Hawks thing as well. The fact that you've yes. got you've got a skater and the use of apostrophe. I thought that was that was brilliant. He's probably brought that up in the past, but I thought that was brilliant. Just the fact that you know he's he's got the same name as uh, as Tony Hawks, but never mind. Yeah, and I think the um, that that will be something that will always be a tale that both he and the skateboarder can tell. Yeah, because Definitely. I think. Tony Hawks is more famous than Tony Hawk thinks he probably is. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's been a long day as well, Mark. I'm starting to feel that vibe again. <laughs> I feel that like Coco vibe. Let's move on to Sunday. Sunday started a little bit later, so we could have a lie-in. That one started at 12. And it started with Ed Buys Toughest Camera Shots, which was a session where Ed had chosen five, four or five scenes yeah. to go through the process of how he basically achieved what we saw on screen with stuff like green screen work and clever trickery and Craig Charles doing acrobatics. And it was fucking fascinating. Right, you need some background information because you won't have known this. Go on. Basically, during the quarantine episodes on YouTube, he's become renowned for saying, this is one of the toughest shots I've ever had to do. Ah, that's where it okay, came. It's an in joke. Yeah, so that's where it came from. The fact that every time he came on, the, the Paul Jackson that will basically whenever they started to bring up saying, "So then, um, Ed, is it was this a difficult shoot?" And they've, they've been doing that for like the past two seasons on on the winding quarantine bus, winding him up. So it was quite natural for them to go, "Hey, well, let's put this in as a as a, like an actual thing of actually talking about it." And then obviously you'll have you'll have seen during the episode that during the recording that. Um, you know, they were saying we were ready to rib you for this and rib you for that, and we weren't actually. You've done really well there, kind of thing, um, because that's what they were doing. They were ribbing him during the the, the quarantine recordings, but mm. um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously just banter, you know, at the end of the day. But it's that's where it that's where this whole um, segment came from. And I think again, something we've mentioned on this podcast a hundred times: the tiniest budget achieving phenomenal things. That was only confirmed with the way. All three of them were talking about how they achieved shit. Yeah. Like the snowball that hit Lister in the face was ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Because if he'd actually got hit by a snowball, it would have melted and it wouldn't have had the white visual on his face. Yeah. And who would have thought to use ice cream? I know. Yeah, that was good. That was really good. There's also like the six cuts. Like, you know, as, as a tech geek, as I say, the fact that I knew there was some, obviously some splicing going on. But I didn't even fathom that there was going to be six splits in that 
um, area for the um, when Rimmer, Rimmer's head comes to the table right at the end of that episode yeah. we've got thing and I was like well that is a lot to contend with you know he was talking about wipes and various other, like technical aspects and mm. you know and I think he had to talk about chroma key what chroma key was uh, yeah. some of the guests didn't know that which I don't expect people to understand that uh, it was really important for me because I was like I want to understand what's going on here but, but that's um, the thing isn't it he started talking a little bit techie, but as soon as he was asked, he was like, oh, shit, sorry, and then gave yeah. us the more Ladybird book with pictures. And that's yeah. perfectly understandable, and he was really reasonable about it, really pleasant about it, and I thought it worked well for everybody, and it was really inclusive. They didn't ignore the fact that not everyone is techie, but yeah. they didn't make it dull for the techie folk either. Yeah, I mean, Rob Grant and Paul Jackson are both really good at that in the quarantine episodes because they kind of like if they see something in the chat live, they will bring that out and just say, wait a second, Ed, you need to explain that a little bit. We've just had a question on, you know, they are really good at like hosting and actually pulling Mm. that out. Um, You know, I mean, obviously they're going to miss stuff because you've got comments after comments, but they do do generally go, no, wait, 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 what does that mean? You know, so I think they they have a really good little vibe with that. Mm. Next up was some more cosplay stuff with Jen, which, you know, was very cool, but it was more of the same, so we've already covered that. And then there was the very big original cast reading of a brand new script called Into the Gloop by Rob Grant. And they'd recruited and auditioned five people to play various parts. And I tell you what, I thought this could be shite. Yeah. And it was not. Yeah. Rob's writing was brilliant, and all the actors were brilliant. What I like about it now, I think we 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 decided that we're going to have a bit of a um, a secondary ep- supplementary episode on this, aren't we? We're going to cover it in a bit more depth with the the detail. But what I really liked about it, you mentioned about Rob Grant's writing. It was clearly distinctively his writing. Like if you think you haven't seen the, the later ones, the later ones have like, obviously Doug Nail has done most of the work or most if not all of the work in the later episodes so the fact mm. that you've got if you do have a change in style it's still red dwarf it's i'm not saying it isn't red dwarf but you do have a change in style and then i think it was really interesting that he chose season six episode six as a jumping point into it oh i marked the fuck out for that because they never resolved season six episode six and he didn't resolve season six, episode six, which I'm glad he didn't in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, season eight, episode six, I think, is it? Or season eight? Or is it season eight, episode eight? I can't remember how many episodes there is in season eight now. Um, has a cliffhanger, and that never gets resolved either. Good. <laughs> so uh, so uh, that's all good. But yeah, no, I just, and you could clearly tell it was his writing. You could, um, I thought the people doing the, the, the episode was really good. I like the idea of, of the, um, you know, the, the European cats. Yeah, Ellie, who played Crite, had the voice down brilliantly, and I thought um, it was—is it what's her name? Harmony, Harmony, um, Rimmer. She, she, and she even mentioned this in the question answer, question answers afterwards, where she, again, kind of like the Chris Pine thing, she didn't want to imitate Rimmer, she but she wanted to put a bit of Rimmer in there, and I mm. thought she played that line really well. I think it's worth mentioning the name of the amateur actors that they brought in. They all yeah. auditioned and they were all award, you know, they were all up against other people trying to get the part. So it was Harmony Hewlett as Rimmer, Raphael Clarkson as Lister, 
Nicholas, I'm going to pronounce this probably badly, Nicholas Galova as the cat, Ellie Griffiths as Crichton, and Loic Boucherell as Young Grimmer. And I'll tell you what, they were all great. And shout out to Loic. (laughs) They decided that they wanted a 12-year-old in it, and they rewrote the script because his audition was so good. I mean, this is dedication to your fandom, this is. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's not quite dedicated to buy the merchandise yet, though. Oh, fuck merchandise. I'm not a merchandise <laughs> guy either. I'm totally with Loic. No, it was just funny because, you know, he's only a young lad and he's like, I just want to watch the shows. And I was like, yes. I'm totally with him. Yeah. Totally with him. Bang on, Loic. It was brilliant. It was just, um, I. it was one of those moments where it completely broke down the walls of the video conferencing because I could just imagine, in my head, I was imagining everyone in the chat everyone around just laughing you know just like yeah. sort of, it was brilliant i thought it was uh absolutely amazing i thought a wonderful comment and as kind of a highlight as a main event goes it could have gone horribly horribly wrong yeah it did not it was fucking fabulous yeah absolutely stay tuned for another episode covering it yeah, we're going to do like a proper deep dive where I'll write copious notes and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> that was then followed by the Twonk Master, which was the Red Dwarf take on Taskmaster. And again, people being bothered to do these Taskmaster tasks for a convention. I guess it's like cosplay in a way for me. I kind of like it, but I'm not sure I'm that mm. asked. These people really went to town with all these tasks and sent in videos of themselves doing dumb shit, like rimmer salutes and making uh, biscuit houses and things like that. And I was like, fair play, fair mm. play. I doubt I'm ever going to enter something like that, but I like to watch it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, this is the thing that I would say it's a minor criticism is the... It went by so quickly. Now, it's obviously been a couple of days. I think if it had been more of a live thing, that, that you could have put like a video package together where you go into a room and see it on a loop or something like that, where you've got True. all the stuff and things. Now, we're not in that environment, so we can't really do that. But um, it just felt like all this, because I was like ready to live tweet about it. And by the time I wrote the first sentence, I was like, oh, hang on, what's, what's going on here? And there wasn't, it wasn't quick. It was There was not enough there for me. Mm. Which I, so I would have liked to have seen that. Now, the Maywell, as a package, might put that together somewhere else, um, which would be good but, to have. Yeah, so. I think, again, hopefully it is something that they can whack up on YouTube. Yeah. I'm not suggesting the whole convention go up on YouTube, because if you do that, it's likely to suggest to people that that's what will happen in future. Yeah. And why would you turn up when all the exclusive stuff will eventually end up on YouTube for free? Yeah. But I think the Twonk Master stuff should probably go up. Yeah. Yeah, because it's because it's it wasn't part of the actual show itself. All you got was the winners, weren't you? Really, you got mm. a little, very small video clips on pictures and and stuff like that. But if you had like a collection of that and stuff like that, I don't think that I think that would be more. That for me is more like a headline. In this is what happened. These are sort of the clips that you've got. Go to this website to see X, Y, and Z for more detail. I think that's more for that really. So, mm. and then. The final thing, which one assumes would have been in an evening before the disco at a normal convention, was the fiendish quiz, and fuck me. (laughs) 90 questions. 
90 questions. I did not do well. I didn't do much better, to be honest. Uh, I will put the caveat on that I haven't watched anything after Series 8. And there were quite a <laughs> lot of questions about... No, that's not true. I did watch Back to Earth, and that stopped me watching anything after that. Um... <laughs> Sorry, that was pitchy. No, 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 yeah, yeah, but you haven't to say, you know, I'm just to provide for anyone joining us who, who might have seen us on the um, on Twitter and have come to listen to, to the podcast is that we set this up last year that Mark and I had a discussion during uh, the pandemic, during lockdown, about on another podcast, and we decided to start this one because we love Red Dwarf. But we have decided that Mark is not going to watch the Dave stuff till we get there. So, hence the reason why. We're not, because um, I've said it's really good, haven't I? So. The idea is to give a fresh perspective from yes. someone who's kind of fandom waned after Series 8. Yeah. But I don't really feel like my fandom did wane. I just kind of forgot that there was Dave <laughs> shit and it wasn't easy to access. So I yeah. just. Yeah. And I tell you what, I'm a little bit embarrassed that my fandom did wane because. Doing this podcast and going to this convention and everything over the last six or eight months while we've been doing this, Red Dwarf's making brilliant, isn't it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the quiz was presented by Hattie, which was ace, and they had loads of special guests doing random questions. And I didn't feel like I was the worst. There were quite a lot of people in the chat room that didn't do much better than me. And I think it was deliberately fiendish. And from what I gleaned from the chat is it's always deliberately fiendish at Dimension right. Jump as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, you've got like space car directives or cities. Now, Red Dwarf is renowned for like gags with just like, oh, don't go there. Don't go to Doncaster on a night out. You know, but that could be Luton. Or it could be, you know what I mean? So it's like... Milton Keynes. I, 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 had, I had, during the quiz, I had a bit of a I am fish moment during that city bit. And I put Belgium for about three of them. And Belgium was one of them. <laughs> so I was like, I know Belgium's in here somewhere. I'm just going to put Belgium for three of them. Um, but yeah, my score was, well, it's a score, which is what she rated 53 and below out of 90. Yeah, neither of us so. got more than 53. So <laughs> we didn't get a grade. There was A to D for different scores. And under a certain score was you suck. And unfortunately, we both sucked. Yeah. But it was, it was a good, it was good. There was a, some, there was some quizzes, as you say like later books, which are obvious when you know it, you know, mm. it's, um, there was like that. Sometimes you've got to learn how to lose before how you learn how to win. Now that's a running joke uh. and it's a really easy and obvious thing. If you've seen the episode, it's not a hard question, but obviously mm. for someone who's not seen the episode, you know, no. it would be so we did say, I did say with a caveat that we would handicap you. And I think, yeah. I think from the handicap that you'll probably be about the same where I was. So. I wonder how well Carl would have done at that quiz. Uh, well, yeah. Co-host Carl, who, if you haven't heard our Christmas special, absolutely trounced us, wiped the floor with us with his Red Dwarf knowledge. But well, I won. Because Carl was <laughs> on your team! <laughs> yeah, I won. My team won. But, you know, Carl's, uh, Carl's actually banished from the next one, I think. So, no, uh, Carl's on my team next year. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, so that was that was that was good. The quiz was really good, actually. It was I yeah. I I actually had that moment when they said, "Oh, this is the final thing. We're going to have the quiz now." I did have that moment of like, "Do I really want to bother with this?" And just right. it was like about five seconds. I was like, "Am I really bothered about doing this?" And then I, then it started, and it was like, "Oh, okay, I'll get a word document up and put my details into the word document." 
And I was actually, about halfway through, I was like, I'm actually really enjoying this. So it was, I'm happy I did it. Even though it was fiendish, I also enjoyed it. And I did get some kind of solace from the camaraderie of the chat where everyone was going, fucking hell, this is hard. You see, I, fucking hell, it was hard. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's my laptop or whatever. I've had real problems with the chat over the last two days. And I could, no, I didn't. I could not get anywhere with, with it. People saying, oh, Hattie's doing the quiz. Um, let's go. And I could not read any messages after that. Good grief. So, and I, it really struggled. And I don't know if it's maybe my laptop, maybe overheating or... I didn't have any problems with it. But yeah, but so I missed all that, unfortunately. But um, mm. but even so, it was still good. I was still chatting to you occasionally on the uh, on the face Face-ache. So, yeah. Mm. Oh, I'll tell you what we forgot to mention is that if they do put the commentary on YouTube, I'll get a name call. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so angry. I was so angry. I was, like, I was so pleased. Out of all, oh, it doesn't matter if I got my question answered by Hattie, right? Great, fantastic, thank you. You went onto the commentary and managed to get name checks. And if that goes on YouTube, I'm like, oh. I will be really pleased. You don't I'll even really watch pleased. the thing. I do. <laughs> no, you don't watch the quarantine episodes. No, I don't. But I might watch that one if my name's on it. But they 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 were talking about the title screen and the evil kind of bird dinosaurs. And I'd been doing some research for the podcast, and I knew what film that was from. It was from a Japanese film called Gappa. And um, so I told them, and they they name dropped me, and I was like, Ah, oh, yeah. And I went to the other shipwrecked and comatose crew and went, That's Adams. <laughs> I was so engaged smug mode smug mode engaged because they weren't there it was just me and Mark but the fact that they were like that Adam's just got on the bloody commentary hasn't he oh I do hope they put it up on YouTube that'd be great that that'd be great oh uh, man and uh, just on the uh, going back to the just while I think uh, extra thoughts because I think we've pretty much finished wrapped up here but yeah we need to wrap this up I've got to edit this in a day uh, uh, the Twitter thing so we were we were live tweeting and we were taking turns, and I did notice that you put up the split screen of your wrestling, like uh, split screen stuff. I did. Yeah, so I thought that's something I'm going to have to look at eventually. I'll go and have a look at that. Well, the story behind that split screen was that I was interviewing myself after I foolishly entered a Royal Rumble. There you go. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Tony, to watch it now. <laughs> Former wrestling announcer, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. And I um, loved the talk about how... They were doing split screen and green screen stuff because I've done it and on a much smaller scale 25 years later, but I've done it. And that was just so cool. So, um, yeah, I've had a weird life and I wouldn't (laughs) want it any other way. Good. I think that's it, Kurt, unless you've got anything else to say, mate. No, I think that's fantastic. I think we've done a a good job of, of quick coverage, you know, straight after the event. You know, it's only finished an hour and a half ago, so... So I think we've done we've done well. I've had a bloody lovely weekend. It was just so much fun and quite intense. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the word. I I, I went downstairs last night at around five thirty, six o'clock, whatever time it was, and I literally just lay on the couch, could not face watching the TV, and I just lay there for about half an hour, just not doing anything. Let like a log last night. <laughs> Yeah, but um, and today today is hasn't been as uh, strenuous. But at the end of the day, you know we've jumped on here as well, so it's yeah. um, it's going to be. I think I think tomorrow will be a nice chill out day. 
I don't think I can emphasize how impressed I have been with the whole thing. Everything yeah. from the technical expertise to the amateur presenters being brilliant to the lineup to the bargainous price. I kind of expected it to be a bit shonky, mm. you know, like Red Dwarf, but <laughs> it wasn't. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Huge shout out to the official Red Dwarf fan club. You've blown me away. Yeah. I would absolutely echo those thoughts. You know, I think it was wonderful. I think it's been a great weekend. I hope to do it again. I will be there if they do so. Definitely. See you at Dimension Jump. It's already in my diary. <laughs> I'll have to look at the date actually, but uh, but I will. <laughs> I, I, I will make. I will make efforts to get to it. Before we go, Kurt, where can people find you on the internet? Find me on Twitter at R Muldrake. It's R M U L D R A K E. Uh, I because it's uh, just a quick one here, I won't bother you with all the details, but I'm on various different podcasts from Star Trek Picard. I've got a Millennium Podcast, an X-File Podcast, and various other bits and bobs that I appear on. We're all on this We Made This Podcast network as well. But yeah, find me on Twitter at rmaldrake. You can find me on Twitter at MarkAdamsHC. And like Kurt, I'm on lots of other podcasts, Ink Stories about tattoos, Writing the Childhood about kids' TV, and... Life's Milestones, which is based on my job as a humanist celebrant. You can find all of those wherever you have been listening to this. Right, so thank you so much for listening to Shipwrecked and Comatose. Particularly hello to anyone who has joined us because you went to Hollyhop. Until next time. <laughs> Hollyhop. Shipwrecked and Comatose, a Red Dwarf podcast, was created and produced by Mark Adams and Kurt North. You can find us on Twitter at Red Dwarf Pod, and we are part of the We Made This Podcast Network, which can be found online at WeMadeThisPod.com or on Twitter at WeMadeThisPod. Hello, everyone. This is Tony, Network Chief of We Made This. As you know, our podcast network brings together a brilliant assortment of talent who talk about all kinds of pop culture content, such as the episode you've just listened to. We're not going anywhere, but we'd love to keep the lights on for even longer if you're able to support our network on Patreon. For just £2 a month, you get your name in lights and the satisfaction of knowing you're helping us produce more great audio. And for £3 a month, you'll get your name in lights, but you'll also get access to an exclusive bi-monthly podcast from the We Made This Talent Pool on podcasting, pop culture, and, well, you tell us. We'll take your suggestions. For less than the price of a coffee per month, you can help keep We Made This going. Just head to patreon.com forward slash we made this. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash we made this and get the ball rolling elsewhere on We Made This Cerebral Jukebox yeah because we we were talking about this we've talked about the the different covers there are now you yourself I I thought I'd found a nice little sort of hidden gem here because you yourself were in a band called Bleeder or still are in a band called Bleeder yeah and when I was looking on Spotify just for different covers of, of the song, 
uh, I noticed there is a, a song, a cover of this by a band called Leader, and I was like, oh, brilliant! This this is what Niall's not told me is that he's he's actually done a cover of it that got released. <laughs> Right in the childhood. Would you like to guess what my favourite character was? Ah, oh, Food Dog. It was indeed. Of course, Foodog. it's always Animal. Uh, played by Bender. Played by Bender again. Another, <laughs> another appearance by Bender in one of these shows. Yeah. I think great sidekick, sort of, in a way. There was a nice joke as well that was like, oh, you're my dog. Oh, no, I mean that is in like. in the hip hop <laughs> way, not like, I'm, you, I own you. And I was like, that's a nice little touch. But Avatar fans as well. The guy who voices Jake Long also voices one of the main characters in that, um, cool. Fire Lord Zuko, which is really funny because he deals with fire in that and he was a dragon in this. So I was like, oh, there's a lot of fire in his voicing career. He was also Rufio in you know, the film Hook. Oh, okay. Rufio! So him. Podcast 616, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I was gone for five years and now I'm just I'm in a different reality. Whoa, what's happened there? Luke's been blipped. Yeah. Luke's been blipped. <laughs> Here he is, Luke's been blipped. He's back again. So Luke, it's been five years. Uh, I've got a few things to catch you up on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what did he make to um, Loki season six? <laughs> Great. Well, what are we on? Uh, Spider-Man eight now, are we? <laughs> With Sony? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's Miles Morales now, so that's all good. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network. <laughs>